Well, welcome and welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. We hope it's welcome back. We have thoughtful conversation about the news of the day. We address the existential threats to America. We want to talk about threats to American civilization, what we need to do to defend it. Uh, it's our monthly special, Scholars and Sense. That's the edition of the show. And joining me today on this topic, Conrad Black, author, columnist, media contributor, and Victor Davis Hansen, senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. His focus is classics in military history, but these are two smart cosmopolitan guys. First few things I want to get to. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, American civilization at risk uh, today. I want to take one piece of this because I think I know this stuff uh, and I expect I know it better than either of our guests. Um, a few people know it better than I do, but not many. Uh, and that's the drug issue. I want to talk particularly about fentanyl. The use of fentanyl and the fatalities associated with fentanyl continue to grow. This is a terrible, terrible thing. We blithely watch poisoning deaths becoming the single greatest, the number one cause of death among our young adult population. Let's focus on that. The single greatest cause of death among young people. By the way, if you can keep people off drugs, off alcohol as well, but let's just talk about drugs until the age of 21, their odds of staying off for the rest of their lives are very good. Uh, getting young people to 21 is a big deal. I always thought, Claude, about writing a book. In fact, Seth Leaps and I were thinking about writing a book together called Getting to 21. Uh, almost all drug addiction begins with youth initiation, and almost all drug use and addiction begins with marijuana. Before I get into this dark side, let me just say we can do something about this. We have in the past. Uh, in 1979, Claude, we hit the high water mark of drug use in this country. 14.1% of the population were regular drug users. That means at least once a month. That has not been surpassed till this year. But between 79 and the early 90s, we went to work. The country went to work. I participated as drugs are for a couple of those years, but I give credit to the country. By 1992, we reduced drug use in this country by nearly 65%. Wow. 65%. Claude, if you had a 65% reduction in any social ill, crime, pollution, dropout rates, single parent childbirth, you name it, be considered an incredible accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Then comes the opioid crisis and the border, and an open border, and the fentanyl coming in. Let me give you the numbers. In 1992, not so long ago, the U.S. population was 255 million, and we lost about 5,000 Americans a year to drug poisoning. Today, we have a population of 333 million, and we are losing 106,000 people a year to drug poisoning. While the country grew by just under a third, drug deaths grew by nearly two thousand percent. We're now talking about 106,000 people a year dying from drug poisoning. The Vietnam Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C. hosts the names of 58,000 souls, 58,000 who died in Vietnam. We should honor them and never forget them. It took 16 years to amass those deaths, 16 years to get to 58,000 to get to the names that constitute that long, dark wall. But the rate we're now going, we are doubling in death every year, what that sad wall represents from over the course of 16 years. That is 58,000 deaths, took 16 years in Vietnam, takes six months now. And that is just from drug poisonings in this country. Just saw the news on this. I'll be going on TV talking about it. People are using fentanyl and they're mixing it with something called xylazine. 
Xylazine is an animal tranquilizer. It's used in horses. If you take it by itself, it can burn your skin. It can peel your skin off. It can get into your limbs. It can lead to uh, limb poisoning and um, amputation. Mix it with fentanyl. Why? In God's name. And you're, you know, you're really a goner. By the way, the Narcan, which is our ambulance for fentanyl, it's a drug. You're supposed to carry it if you were using, but no guarantee the ambulance gets there in time or is sufficient. As with real ambulances, this medicine can be ineffective or of limited effect. People say, what are all these pills doing? Aren't they all taken by accident? Some are taken by accident. You've seen the moms on TV who say, you know, my daughter or my son was ordering painkillers and they got fentanyl and died. But people are now ordering fentanyl. They wanting fentanyl. A dollar a hit, maybe $2. What the hell? And the xylazine apparently prolongs the effect of the fentanyl. We are in terrible place here. For the first time in American history in a very, very long time. Life expectancy has decreased. It's decreased largely because of uh, drug use, opioid use, and death. By the way, do you think it's related to crime? Do you think the people who uh, break into these stores and bash people over the head and are sitting in the homeless tents, you think a lot of them are drug users? You would be right to think so. Sure. Okay, end of lecture, Claude. What What are your comments or thoughts? I mean, I just think about the, the, the effects it has on people. It's going to take a lot of resources and money to rehabilitate users if we're going to stop that as well. I don't know what, what that looks like, but then even when you tie it into crime and homelessness and, and, and people on the streets. I'm, I'm just trying to think even economically and with the country, you know, there used to be, you know, three or four points you could look at in the country and say, yeah, these, these are downers, but we're winning here. We're winning there. I'm just wondering overall, if we would have put, you know, you just make a chart, America's winning, America's losing. Do you think we're at a point right now where we have more um, marks on the losing side than on the winning? Like where are yes. we? Where, where yes. are we? Yes. And we'll have a, f- a fuller discussion of that in a few minutes. Uh, with Conrad and Victor, but we're losing on this one. First step, by the way, you asked very good questions. First step, by the way, is limit the supply. Don't make it so easy for this stuff to get in. That means going after the cartels. That means a declaration by the president that cartels are foreign terrorist organizations. And you go in and you take them out. Talk to the Mexican government. It's not a war against that government. It's a war against the cartels. Uh, Supply and demand are related. If the supply is limited, uh, the demand will decrease because it'll be more expensive and harder to get. Uh, we uh, tried this in uh, one point in American history, recent history, uh, where, you know, a dramatic effort was made uh, through various means to stop the supply of cocaine. When we did stop the supply of cocaine or slow it down, emergency room admissions for drugs were down and the price of street drugs went up. So that's the first thing you do is go after supply. Second thing you do is you've got to look at this whole question of institutionalization. And I think when in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, we opened up the doors of these places and said 85, 90% people should be let out. We let them out. It's probably a mistake. It was a big uh, craze toward institutionalization there, but um, that was a mistake. Then there's drug treatment, and a lot of it ought to be compulsory. And some of it will be hard, tough. I think of David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. He went through, I don't know how many drug treatment centers, but he got arrested in Texas for using. They threw him in jail. There was no treatment. And if you read what he wrote about it, he said, I just died. And then I came back to life. I mean, he had to go through total withdrawal without any help. But he did, and then he stayed clean. 
He thanked the Texas prison system, which is not exactly a soft healing, you know. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel today? Yeah, not quite a you know? uh, treatment. Yeah, right, it? right. <laughs> so, but, you know, there's a lot to say in answer to your question. But let's explore further with our guests this whole question of American decline, American success, American decline. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Joining me now, Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Let's jump right in. So I just talked to the audience uh, as, as this podcast will go out about something I've been, you know, working on professionally and worried about. And that's the whole drug issue. And as Claude put it, if you had a question, American civilization and decline, check yes or no. I'm afraid I'd have to say yes on this one. The drug issue, fentanyl, now fentanyl mixed with xylazine. And, you know, a lot of people think everybody who takes fentanyl takes it by mistake. You know, we see the mom on the TV screen saying, well, they just wanted to get some painkillers. They got fentanyl instead. Well, fentanyl is sought out by a lot of people now and it's cheap. And now we understand it's mixed with xylazine, which is a horse tranquilizer. And if you take it, you're apparently your high will last longer. You'll also likely get skin infections, possibly lose skin, uh, perhaps even lose limbs through amputation. But that's not where I wanted to focus. Um, 106,000 Americans died last year uh, from uh, drug poisoning, many of them young, as you both know, first time in a long time in America, life expectancy is slower than it than it has been in years past. This is largely due to drug use. I was telling the audience to get some sense of scale where I spend most of my time in D.C., the Vietnam Memorial. That long, dark wall has 58,000 names on it, uh, names of people deserve to be honored, respected and remembered. 58,000 over 16 years in Vietnam. That's half a year total in terms of uh, drug opioid deaths in the U.S. And like the Vietnam deaths, most of these are young people, in many cases, very young people. Uh, there are things we could do about this, like taking on the cartels, like the president declaring them foreign terrorist organizations, like sealing the border, things that are not hard to you know, imagine or even to do, certainly not impossible to do, but we're not doing them. So I use that as as one example. I I don't know if you'll agree or not, but I think it's a terrible and glaring example. And it's the greatest cause of death among young people. What are we doing here to our young people? What are we allowing to be done? It collides with one of the problems we have with this administration, and that is de facto they want the border open. In 2019, when Biden was a candidate, he remember he said, you should come when asked if people should break the law mm-hmm. and enter illegally. Mm-hmm. And then all of his policies since then that I, I looked at the figures the other day, 6.5 million illegal entries since he was inaugurated. Yeah. And we have these cartels that have special factories that are set up only for export. And we had the president of Mexico, who was for a while terrified of Donald Trump, whatever one thinks of Donald Trump, he was terrified of him. And he we went back to having to apply for refugee status while in Mexico. We we stopped uh, catch and release. We rebuilt 500 miles of the rickety wall. We were just starting on the new wall. And he said the other day, if you remember, that it was so beautiful that 40,000, 40 million of his people had come to the United States, the majority of them probably illegally. And then he did something even more outrageous. He urged everybody to vote Democratic and interfered in our internal politics. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's some, he has some effect on Biden, and I don't know what it is. It's not economic, but 
the $60 billion is the largest source of the remittances from U.S. residents that are of Mexican nationality. And most of them are on, from what I can tell, on some sort of health, education, housing, food subsidies that free up anywhere from two or $300 a week. That $60 billion is the largest source, again, of their foreign revenue. So I don't know how you stop it other than to get tough with the Mexican government. Well, that's entirely possible to do, right? I mean, yeah, you, I think we have a lot. You of can get tough. Yeah, I don't know why Trump. He kept bragging about he was going to make them pay for the wall, but there, in fact, there was an easy way for them to pay for the wall. All he had to do was slap a ten percent tax on that sixty billion, and the six billion yeah. in revenue would have, yeah. would have paid for it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sign of American decline, uh, Conrad. Yeah, uh, the one I the sign. I mean, I, I'm afraid so. I personally, I, I persist in my view that it is a plateau and not an irreversible decline, even a plateau from which we've declined. Okay. But it, it, we're not talking about a country in durable free fall here. I, I, I think a, a good choice of a replacement administration would set most of this right fairly quickly. But uh, it, it remains a talented and highly motivated population with a fundamentally successful structure. But the, the factor that I would just add in the very worrisome category of the matters you both have mentioned uh, is this business of approximately half of the polity of the country perverting and distorting and hijacking the legal and prosecutorial system to persecute and destroy the other half. And uh, that will, if it goes on, that will destroy American democracy. Uh, That won't necessarily destroy the country but it will destroy it as a democracy. Uh, And and it is terribly worrisome. And I think what we're facing, you men must tell me if you think I've got this wrong, but in this run-up to the next presidential election, uh, we're facing a choice between those who are so alarmed at at the tendency I just mentioned that they will, in some cases, in many cases happily, but in some cases hold their noses and vote for a man they don't particularly like or dislike even, uh, or, or those who are so so antagonistic to the former president that they're prepared to tolerate what they don't particularly like in the legal system. And if it is the second that prevails, that's a blank check to just go on with it. And 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 we're going we're going to ruin the entire constitutional system if it goes on like this, I think. And there are other problems. Um, Indeed. Internationally. But. Yeah, I mean, we have Macron freelancing and saying that Europeans don't want to get right. involved with the United States. Vis-a-vis Taiwan, we had apparently Egypt selling rockets to Russia. We had South Korea afraid to sell weapons to Ukraine. I don't care whether they do or not, just that their relationship with the United States. And then we have India and Japan buying oil. And they're just, you know, the Biden administration saying that, you know, we're supposed to be sanctioning Russia. We had Turkey the other day that threatened to send missiles into Athens. And all of that's a result of, I guess, the cumulative effect of the Anchorage Summit and March of 2021, when we were humiliated by the Chinese, the Chinese balloon humiliation, the Afghan humiliation, Biden talking about, you know, if you're going to attack us with cyber, please put hospitals off the list or we don't object to a minor (laughs) incursion. All that builds builds up. So there's an impression now that it's a dangerous thing to be an ally of the United States and people are making the necessary adjustments because we're either incompetent or bizarre. And look at Israel. All of a sudden, Israel Yes, um, it's being attacked on, on right. the leaks. It seems like the Israeli Mossad and the generals almost were staging a coup, perhaps encouraged by the United States. Who knows? But it doesn't look good for us with our allies. That long litany you list did not include 
Dublin and Ireland, where our president <laughs> is. I mean, I, I don't understand, but our weakness is um, evident. And I think, as I said to you guys last time, if I were one of these hostile powers, China, Russia, any of them get on the phone with the others and say, this is the time they may straighten this out, the Americans in their next election. They may, uh, but uh, Conrad's already hinted at that problems there and there are more to talk about. But we're very, very weak right now and perceived as very weak. Now, now I, I guess I should say a, a disclaimer right to the beginning. How can we say American civilization is in danger? Put a timeline on it. It's only been two and a half years. I mean, it was kind of humming along before the election of Joe Biden, wasn't it? Whatever one thinks of Trump, uh, the, the country was operating pretty well, you know, by most indices. I, None of the things we've all just lamented were happening two and a half years. Right. None of them. Well, yes, some of them were. One of the things I want to talk about, we can talk about later, is the problem in the schools, which I think can't be underestimated. I thought these things that parents were screaming about were kind of one-offs. Done some research. Not true. This stuff is around a lot. How about uh, the military? Gen- 15,000 recruits short in the Army and Austin. I mean, they basically lied about the actual trajectory of the balloon and the degree it surveilled us. They, it did. The report on Afghanistan was a lie that it was a success. And uh, it just was a success. And the woke agenda is really, how did how did a 21-year-old guardsman yeah. get, get access uh, to this information? And then the first hey, thing- And he's one of the do, ones who signed up. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. know. No, I mean, you're mentioning we are, we're short on people signing yeah. up. Here's a guy who did <laughs> sign up. Now look what he did. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. It's multifaceted. And you look at the financial sector and what the Bankman Freed or the Silicon Valley Bank yep. and this yep. Yep. 6% inflation, 7% interest rates. It's, it's, and look at the energy situation. I guess Saudi Arabia now has had a sort of um, a Molotov Ribbentrop non aggression pact with Iran. I don't know how we pulled that off, but. That's a lot of oil between the two of them. I guess we just decided that we were in decline. It's, it was a decision. It wasn't necessarily faded, but it was very sudden. But we're going to electric in five years. <laughs> Bills in California, your power bill now, we were told, is going to be partly adjudicated by your income. Oh, That's, really? Yes. So we have four income brackets, and depending which one oh. you're in, you pay a surcharge or you get a surplus, an exemption. But that, so, but that will be coupled with tax relief, right? For people at the top, <laughs> I guess. Not. No, we pay thirteen point three percent. You can't write that off anymore. So it's all right, Victor. Uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me, "Is Victor leaving? Will you ever leave California?" I would. I'm sixty nine, but I'm here at my farm, and my great great grandmother homesteaded it in eighteen seventy. Yeah. And it's not yeah. much left of it. It's only forty five acres. Yeah. Yeah. And the house was built in 1870. My kid, children are much wiser than I am. They Neither one of them want to live here. Yeah. And, they, and they don't. But you know what? It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of a tidal wave that passed over me. So I live yeah. in a 95%. <laughs> I live in a 95% Mexican-American community now. Of mostly half are illegal and half are middle-class people are worried about crime and drugs. And mm-hmm. I know them all. I went to school with them. And it's very ironic because all my friends at Stanford, they tell me horror stories about either living in San Francisco or I get the daily crime report bill from the Stanford yeah. campus. Yeah. I have an apartment there and there's more crime going on in that area with bike theft, break-ins, assaults in the general area around Stanford, which is pretty isolated. From yes, it is. Than there is on my very dangerous neighborhood, supposedly. 
Conrad, are we uh, sniveling here too much? Are we whining? Or this is America. Pull, pull your, get yourself together, boys. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't. I certainly have not been sniveling. You're highly informed, patriotic Americans who are concerned about things happening in your country, uh, and I, I've been a little reluctant to plunge into it very much because I, I don't want to be a, a non-American saying negative things about the United States to an American audience. But the, uh, no, I don't think you're sniveling at all. I think you're showing reasonable concern. What I would say is you're the great expert here on drugs, Bill, and you said that that was one problem that was very much evident even more than two and a half years ago. It was, but but not, not on this scale, not fentanyl. No, before. no, not on this scale, no. Uh, so I, I just say that there is some truth to the old you know, the, all those adages about what goes up comes down or what comes down comes back or whatever you want, you know, that it, it, it's gone very badly in two and a half years, but it could come back quite quickly. Uh, you haven't destroyed the country. As Adam Smith said, there's a lot of ruin in a country and especially in an immense country like the United States. So I think you've just started a decay process that can be arrested and reversed quite quickly. But but if it if it isn't arrested, it will increase in velocity and in profundity and become terribly dangerous. Victor, can a civilization decline be reversed by an election? I think Ronald Reagan gave us 12 years respite. And I think it was very similar. The only difference that I see between the Carter malaise and the uh, the Biden malaise is this was more of a cultural revolution that involved all these institutions from transgenderism to this wokeness to all of this that we didn't quite have and that uh, Biden is much more incompetent than Carter's team is and they're much more ideologically adept than Carter's team was but that election was a landmark election yeah you can have you can there was times in American history you can imagine if Buchanan was a two-term president rather than Lincoln coming in there would have been problems re-electing Hoover too Uh, but but what about what about the uh, the teenagers for now for the first First time saying socialism is preferable to capitalism, or is that just is that just skin deep? Is that just what they last heard in history class? Yeah, I think it's like the Oxford students in 1935 saying they wouldn't yeah. fight for king and country. I mean, maybe okay. they wouldn't, but they sure did a few years later. Yeah. Well, wh- where are they going to learn? Where are they going to learn that this is a, a country worth defending? Not in K through 12 or the universities. That's for sure. Social Some media? Reason. No. No. Not entertainment, not Hollywood, no nope. professional sports. From the news? No. Nope. Disney, not from Disney, Disney and the corporation. So right. there, there's no where, there's no civic education anymore. And uh, it's ignorance. My wife is a community college teacher, and I was looking at some of the papers that she's correcting. Her biggest problem, Bill, right now is 50% of them are artificial intelligence. Oh, they are. Yeah. yeah. And they have to have, she has, they all have to run programs. Uh, it takes a long time to to find out the percentage of a AI on a particular paper. Oh gosh! And, and so it's boy, that was fast. Wow, yeah, boy, very. That's what we were talking about. Gradually, then suddenly. I mean, my gosh, yeah, that yes, problem sir. wasn't even there. The border. We never thought that. I was naive enough to look at the 2000 December statistics on the border. Trump basically had the border completely closed. Yes, like he 2019. did. Yes, and he did. It's very funny how he was able to, even though he was learning and he made some bad appointments and he had some embarrassing moments, the amount of good he did in just four years was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. In the Middle East with the Abrams Accord and 
on, on so many fronts, on so many fronts. And they've utterly annihilated most of his, his accomplishments. And he has not helped his own cause. Damn it. Yeah, well. Yeah, in the, in the comparison with Reagan, you're right that Biden is worse than Carter, but Reagan was a genius candidate and Trump isn't. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he made people like him that didn't like his policies. They don't do that with Trump. Even if they like his policies, the independent and the Democrats will not. They don't. They don't want to vote for him. Another question about election, but culture stuff. Did Republicans, conservatives, underestimate the impact of the Dobbs decision? Uh, were they ready for this? It looked like the left was. I heard Kelly, Kelly and Conway, whom I know well, say the other day something I've never heard her say, which is she said, we have not figured out a good response to what they're doing. The answer must be yes. I mean, for men like Lindsey Graham in the middle of the midterm election campaign, and a month before the election day, to say we should have a national ban on abortions, he had to be out of his mind. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think they were sort of relieved that it, the reaction wasn't greater than it was. And then they kind of, uh, you know, let their pants yeah. depart in the expression. They, they, they outscared us a lot more than we outscared them. Usually conservatives can say, do you really want a partial birth abortion and killing a fetus, which is about 10,000 of the million so abortions a year, or you really want a fetus is fully formed, or at least it's human at very early on now, given our ability to, to detect it with sophisticated screening. And that was, that was gaining adherence. And then they came back with women are dying because they can't have abortion or their lives are ruined. And, and we didn't, we weren't able to to convince the, the voter in between that that may that the inconvenience of abortion was overshadowed by the saving of thousands of lives. But uh, I think what happened is the media focused on those who said no abortion, even for rape or incest, and yeah. that became the talking point of the entire debate. Yeah. Did you see that DeSantis signed a bill outlawing abortion after six weeks in yeah. Florida? That's pretty strong. Given his prominence in the Republican Party, I think they can use that against the Republicans countrywide. Conrad, I, I know you, you're right about diagnosing what happened in 2020, but I'm not sure that that can't be repeated on their part because I see no evidence that they're not going to outspend the, the Republicans two or three to one. And I don't think that we've solved the balloting problems. No, we haven't. So 70% of the ballots are not cast in most states on election day. We haven't figured out ballot. But haven't we tightened up, I'm using we a bit loosely here, but haven't we tightened up verifiability? I mean, they they can't. 10 million ballots in California were mailed out automatically and they don't know what happened to them. You know, a friend of mine, um, a very astute guy said they should put uh, Brian Kemp, is that his first name, governor of Georgia? Yeah. Uh, up for vice president because he's the only guy smart enough to figure this out. He, you know, you remember Kemp was attacked by both sides. Stacey Abrams and all the liberals hated him. Of course, she challenged him and lost twice to him. Trump uh, was very angry at Kemp for not sh- closing down the schools and stuff. You remember that? Yeah. And, and Kemp stood up to him and said, nope, nope, we're going to do it our way. We can and do then, it. And then, of course, Major League Baseball and all that, they all left Georgia. Now everybody's coming back, and he's looking pretty smart. The same friend said he's awfully good. He knows about how to do this. He said, or maybe he's just uh, he just knows how to steal an election, and we need one of those, too. Yeah, the master was Devin Nunes, his district, and he taught yes. all these and yes, we have, yes. in the next district over, it's plus Democratic five. And yet the Republican candidate 
who voted to impeach Trump, David Valadeo, who lost the entire base, got angry at him. He won. And the reason he won is he took the Nunes imprint and replicated it. And they called everybody. They got third party harvesting. He was ahead by 500 votes after the election, of course, and the Democrats mailed in all the ballots and he was down. And then he appealed and he found out there was 1,500 ballots that they had thrown out for various reasons, only the his. And then he cured them. He called up every single voter and said, your ballot is in suspension. We have your name. You didn't fill out your registration form correctly. You only have one name. Uh, your signature is illegible. Would you come in and it and they did and he won but that's unusual and that's what they have to do to well good for the democrats yeah good yeah i need to clarify for the listeners in georgia i, I did not suggest that brian kemp was uh, cheating or ballot harvesting but, but illegally you, but bill am i not right that with the changes that that um Kemp made after the last presidential election, which, you know, was uh, back to Jim Crow and all this sort of thing. And the baseball took out the all-star game and all this idiocy. With with those changes uh, in place, Trump would have won in Georgia last time. Am I, am I not right in that? I don't know, but certainly more people voted. Um, but that is a lot more people voted in this last time with the procedures that Kemp was accused of putting in place in order to repress, you know, the minority vote and so on. Yeah, the ver- not the ver- to be true. was deemed to be anti-African. Yeah, and it was not. And there was a larger turnout of everybody. Trump would have won. Um, I don't know. Would he have said don't vote? Uh, I don't no, know. He, he didn't say don't vote in the general election. No, he he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, well, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if anybody does. I don't know if anybody could answer that. Uh, all right. Well, American civilization. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Yes or no. Please tell me yes. I think, how we're going to do it. I think so. But you're going to scare the living Jehovah out of yourselves before you make the turn. But I think so. Well, that's how we do it in America, isn't it? Try everything bad until the end. And yeah, good. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. I think children. the universities, I, the more you think about it, the universities play such a bad role of omission. They don't teach what we should be learning. And they in commission that it's good. It's a good trend that they're shrinking. The demographics pay part of it, but their enrollments are shrinking. There's an uptick, a little uptick in vocational training. But I yeah. think the Republicans, if they take over, they've got to take a hard look and they've got to say, you know what? These multi-billion dollar, multi-billion, 36 billion at Stanford, 45 at Yale, 50, 60 at Harvard, they've got to be taxed. They're not tax-exempt institutions. Their income has to be taxed. Well, the, taking, uh, Trump started on that. He did. A university like Stanford is, you know, it's, it's getting... $500 million, half a billion, or actually it's a billion and a half if you look at all of the federal research grants and then the student loans that are federally guaranteed. So the federal government has a lot of leverage. You could come in and say, you know, you're going to have to follow the Bill of Rights. So if a person is accused of something, they have to, you know, have an open hearing. And if they're going to just, yeah. they're not going to allow the First Amendment, we're going to cut back on that. They should, in order to get federal funds, kind of the reverse of Hillsdale, you know, was able yeah. to survive because the federal government was persecuting yeah. it. But yeah. we could we could tell Stanford, you can use the Hillsdale model uh, if you don't like it, but we're going to yeah, no federal and, funds. Um, um, impose regulations if you want federal funds that you're going to have problem, to free speech. The problem is these the universities have corporations in their pocket. You know, yeah. it's it's uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 still true despite the corruptions of the university that uh, if you go, you're 
chances of making a much better income are increased dramatically because uh, it pays off to go. I wish it didn't. It doesn't make sense. Because they're not uh, very well educated. It's yeah, and a work, you know, work ethic or, 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 and a work attitude matters more than whether you pass sociology courses. Uh, Bill, just one thing. You, what you said about corporations is true. I, I remember as an eight-year-old, I, I, had, I put my life savings of $60 into buying one share of General Motors. And Alfred P. Sloan was the chairman. He'd been the chairman, <laughs> I believe, 40 years, 35 years, and since uh, Durant's time. And, and um, it was the symbol of America. It was a great company. And the people, all the people around it and around that industry were, were sensible politically. And uh, it, this uh, turn that big business has taken in the U.S. to the left you know, these ludicrous champagne, you know, limousine lefties, uh, it, it would change in a trace if if the right started to boycott them. The, these businessmen are cowards. They aren't owners like a Musk or a Trump or something. You know, they pile up uh, bonuses and stock options and so on. They're cowards. And you just have to bring some pressure on them and they'll go back to the center. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. You know, and, and that Stanford thing, guys, Victor probably knows it better. But, you know, we I heard some people say, well, wait till those law students meet the real world. They'll, you know, they'll get a lesson. No, they won't. They'll no, get a very welcoming reception. There are law firms that believe that's just why, what they believe. That's sure. why it's worse than the 60s, because remember in the 60s or 70s, when I was a student at UC yeah. Santa Cruz and students came into our class and disrupted. The teacher tried to stop them. The professor did. And yeah. they, they were they they marched on the dean's office. But now the revolution is Jacobin top down. And the dean of equity, diversity and inclusion was she had a pre-prepared speech expect, <laughs> expecting the high. Sorry. And she was leading on the revolution herself. That was a disgraceful thing. I mean, I, what a moment, though. It's 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 almost comic. The judge is there. The judge is there. It says, can someone call a policeman? You know? Who will and, police the, the police. And, the, and the policeman is the is the dean of e, EI or DEI. And, and she says, I, I'm here the whole time and I agree with them 100 percent. And then how about San Francisco State where we had the swimmer Riley and she was yeah. <laughs> held hostage and they were negotiating her ransom for a while. And the San Francisco <laughs> president didn't criticize at all. In fact, he said that the, the hatred of transgenderism uh, contributed to the climate of fear. So it's a top down uh, in the Pentagon and the university. It's all coming from the top down. All right. I have a last point. Conrad always gets it, but I want it today. Uh, <laughs> he always says, I'd like to make one more point. I'd like to, be, you know, your thing about the weaponization of the legal system, you're absolutely right. I don't know that this is on the mind of a lot of Americans as, as, as vividly and as, as uh, impressionably as it is on your mind. I, I wish it were. But I'll tell you one thing that I see is emerging, talking to folks, regular folks, is the same kind of thing on, on the medical side, the, the fraud of COVID. Mm. I mean, uh, not that people didn't die. They did, of course, but the whole shutting down the economy, the masking. Uh, my good, very good friend, Marty McCary, who was, in fact, my surgeon at Johns Hopkins. You guys have seen him on, on Fox, I'm sure. sure. 
uh, is, uh, has been great and giving the lie to this stuff, which I guess is still out there. People wearing masks in Los Angeles, Victor? Oh, all the time. I just all the time. San, San Francisco, I saw them and I just went to a doctor's appointment and I was told I had to wear a mask <laughs> in the waiting room. Remember him? Dr. Yeah. Atlas, that guy, Scott Atlas. Yeah, I mean, he I was just oh, had, Scott I Atlas, just, sure. I had a meeting he, with him Monday. He and Monday. Marty McCary were, they, they were, they, they should both get the Freedom Medal for what they did. And so should Jay Bacharia or another. Yeah, yeah Bacharia. And so, yeah. uh, but I, uh, I'm, I'm worried about all that, but the, you mentioned the weaponization. I just saw the the Undersecretary of Energy. Remember him, the crossdresser that was caught stealing the women's luggage. Oh yep. yeah. yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy who steals the luggage. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was just on his first count. He's got another count of stealing the African woman's designer clothes and then expropriating them on the. Internet. Yeah, she saw him on television. Yes, yes. Well, that's coming up. But the first trial, the first theft <laughs> is where he he not only stole, went to the carriage and he stole somebody's property that was worth over a thousand dollars, but more importantly, he lied. Uh, went to a police officer, and that was, those were felonies. They just reduced it to a misdemeanor, and they gave him 180 uh, hours of community service. That's all they did to him. Oh, so, man. But, but he is out of his job, right? He's not doing he, nuclear waste disposal anymore, right? Yeah, but I mean, everything, and I think that's what's scary. Sam Bankman-Free, they kept bragging about $250 million. That's a 10%, $25 million bond. He got out on $500,000 at his parents' home. Yeah. I, I just but, think that most people are now making the, the assumption that if you're left-wing and you're prominent, it's got a indemnity insurance yeah. plan that, that you're going to be treated by this administration and Merrick Garland, where it's pro-life versus, you know, pro-choice yeah. uh, demonstrations or, you know. Hey, now it's Kamala, Catholics like me in yeah. trouble. Kamala Harris, she comes back to Tennessee and she tells us that after lecturing us that January 6th was like 9-11, then she says this was a democratic moment when they hijacked the legislature in, in the middle of business, got a bullhorn and started screaming and disrupted. Yeah. They made they made Mr. Pearson a folk hero. And then she was, you know, remember in 2020 in the summer, she, she went out and said this, not only did she bail out Antifa members and BLM members, but she said these demonstrations, the riot, they will not stop. They should not stop. They're going past the election. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's really politicized now as far as what can be prosecuted and what can't. That's All right, let's hope it's not the end of American civilization, but the end of the comedy hour. <laughs> the, you know, gong the gong show. Good, good, good. We're going to give you the gong. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and your friends. We'll catch up next week. Next week.